The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 37 of the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Compton, and today on the show we have a very special guest. Her name is Leah Simmons. A lot of you probably know her as Leah from South Dakota on Twitter, which we're still calling Twitter. <laughs> I'm never moving on from that. Uh, her handle on there is at Leah underscore from L-E-A-H. Um, Leah is a screenwriter. She's an artist. She's a roller derby skater an avid mushroom hunter, and she made a movie that is called Valentine Crush. Um, the logline is a roller derby player gets in a little over her head after she meets her quote-unquote number one fan. Um, and she wrote the film, and it was produced in, I believe, 2021. And yeah, it's pretty sick. I mean, it has an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, I need to check it out still, but that is very, very cool that she was produced. Um, we have a nice talk in here. You know, I'm sorry I've been gone for a long time, but you'll be happy to know. I think, you know, I had been telling you guys that I was making a bunch of short films this year from basically April to now. It's been nonstop, which ironically, one of the films is called nonstop. But um, we did one in June, we did one in August, my friend made one that I produced and ran sound on in September, and then we sprinted to the finish line and had an October shoot on a film called Nonstop, which we had a crazy time, and I'll save that for another podcast. Um, I kind of want to maybe do a solo episode or something where I talk about making a short film, and uh, if that's something you guys would be into, you know talk about it on Twitter, talk about it on Instagram, you know, let me know. Um, that said too, you know, if you guys like this episode or you like any of the episodes, please give us a shout on Twitter or Instagram at social writer pod. Uh, really appreciate it. Just helps me spread the word about the pod and get more people listening. And that's a good thing, right? Why would I make them if no one listened to it? So, um, yeah, that's where I've been. That's what I've been up to. I'm sorry about the absence. However, I'm ready to get back into it. Um, I'm pushing these movies through post-production, which honestly is a lot easier than pre-production and production itself. Pre-production is just, a f it's a nightmare. And like, at least in post, the movie's in the can. It is what it is. Now we just have to try to fix it, you know, and make all the stuff that doesn't seem great on its own better. And you'd be amazed, anyone who's made a film knows the power of adding a score to a movie is ridiculous. Like, and you know, good editing, savvy editing. I edited two of these things, so it's not that good, but, um, but yeah, it's amazing what you can do with footage that you're like, uh, you know, I don't love it. And then when the finished version is done, you're like, holy shit, that's actually that shot specifically that I didn't like is one of my favorite scenes. So, that's how it goes. I'll talk more about that on a different episode. And, you know, if you guys want to donate to the podcast, which I would really appreciate, you can do that at Social Writer Pod in the bio of Instagram or Twitter. You can click that and there's a PayPal link you can go to and it's all legit and I would really appreciate it. Um, if you want to buy me a coffee or, you know, just send a little bit of money. Uh, always appreciated, but you don't have to if you don't have the money. I totally get that. I hope you enjoy listening anyway. Guys, that's about it for now. Let's go ahead and hop into this episode with Leah Simmons. All right. Well, Leah Simmons, thank you so much for meeting with me today. Thanks for inviting me to be on your show. Long time oh, listener. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, sweet. Awesome. Yeah. And we've we've followed each other for quite a long time. I don't remember how long now, but maybe like three years. Yeah, I feel like you were kind of like one of the first screenwriter. Oh, uh, right. There's the cat. Uh, hey. <laughs> I found on Twitter. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. I've always liked your Twitter from afar. Um, and I was going to go ahead and do my new favorite thing, which is to introduce writers on my show by reading their bio to them out loud, because every writer loves that. Um, it's great. So you can watch me cringe in real time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. All right. So um, Leah Simmons is a writer based out of South Dakota. 
Her writing career started with podcast scripts for the sci-fi horror podcast, Edge Case Podcast. In 2020, Aaliyah wrote and co-produced her first feature, a roller derby thriller called Valentine Crush. Now screening at festivals, the film has received over 20 awards, including Best Feature, Best Original Soundtrack, and Audience Favorite. In 2022, her limited series pilot, Kitterich, Kitterich, yeah? Nailed it. Hey! Uh, In 2022, her limited series pilot, Kitterich, was a second-round selection at the Austin Film Festival and is currently a ScreenCraft semifinalist. This year, her sci-fi feature, Tandem, was selected as an Austin Film Festival second-rounder. When Leah isn't riding or roller skating, she enjoys spending time with her five-year-old son, who is obsessed with mushrooms thanks to a certain Netflix documentary. Let's start there. What's the doc? Uh, Fantastic Fungi. Okay. Uh, It came out (laughs) when my son was three, and it does, like, the first half of the movie is just time-lapse videos of mushrooms growing, and... Mm -hmm. Like, it just has sparked this obsession. You know, he's five years old now, and we love going mushroom hunting. He has, like, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of mushrooms. Like, he sees a mushroom, he knows exactly what it is. Uh-huh. Uh, That's amazing. Which is funny. Yeah, it's, it may, you know, it's been a really weird hobby, um, but yeah. it gets us outside. We go hike around. Yeah, that's uh, uh, super. eating a lot of weird mushrooms. I'm not a mushroom person, um, but oh, yeah, that's it's been fun. That's hilarious if you're not a mushroom person. Yeah. I do like mushrooms. I would be interested. But, yeah, we um, just recently tried corn smut, which is a mushroom that grows in corn kernels and looks horrifying. Mm. Um, it tastes just like a mushroom. I was really expecting something exciting, but I was, was going to say, you know, I like like portobello and shiitake and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't venture too crazy, but I like yeah. all the basic ones. Yeah, I've kind of like discovered this whole weird mushroom foraging community, which is fun to kind of like armchair watch, but. Yeah. Not really super oh. interested in eating a lot of mushrooms. Like you said, too, you know, it gets you out of the house. It gets you mm-hmm. moving. It's better than playing video games all day. So, yeah, oh, that's yeah. a cool hobby for a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, so um, a lot of interesting things in that bio. Um, I definitely want to talk about your feature. Um, I'm, I'm always fascinated with people who just do it. Just do the damn thing because I don't know. I figure a lot of writers who listen to this podcast do understand it and especially filmmakers, but some might not who are just getting started that like, it is hard to get a feature film made. Oh yeah. Like I, I under, I fully understand the phrase that every movie is a miracle. Like when you've been on the other uh-huh. side of the camera, I'm like, I don't, I don't dog any movie. Like yeah. I, even the worst B movie, like this is a Herculean effort. Like if people really understand that, you don't go on letterbox and start trashing movies, even big box movies. Like there's so much work. Um, like post-production is just exhausting marathon that I, you know, like I said, screenwriters don't even really have a glimpse into that sometimes. So yeah. that being like crash course <laughs> into filmmaking was very eye-opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I definitely want to talk more about that because I'm a filmmaker, short filmmaker. Uh, I've made a few shorts. I haven't made the jump to a feature yet. It's something that I really, really want to do seriously in the next in the near future and uh, i would love to pick your brain about it but first i would like to just start at the beginning so leah how did you get into screenwriting um because i kind of mentioned my bio i got into screenwriting writing um podcast uh Mm -hmm. episodes but before that like i i feel like everybody was always loved to reading that feels like the standard answer you have when everyone asks where you started writing Uh, i actually have my degree in creative writing Uh, of course i did nothing with it after college because you're in your 20s and life happens. You know, we had the recession, yep. working two jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, any money I made was immediately going to the bar at night because you had to do something social. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Living my life in the 20s. I was also playing yeah. roller derby. Uh, oh, so yeah. I played roller derby for about 14 years, um, mm-hmm. traveled across the region, around the world. It was <clears> super <throat> fun mm-hmm. uh, until 2017 when I got a traumatic brain injury. Oh. Yeah, not great. Don't recommend. Yeah, uh, about nine months of recovery time. Uh, there's like three months that year I don't remember. Shit. Uh, yeah, it was. That's wild. Usually the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, yeah. Like amnesia, depression. Uh, uh, yeah, it was crazy. But one of the things my doctor recommended was like, you know, you need to get away from a screen. Uh, apparently, eye tracking on screens is really bad for brain recovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably bad mm-hmm. for brains in, in general. But right, right. Uh, he recommended writing. You know, he's like, you can mm. journal, you can just do whatever. So I started writing creative short stories. Yep. And after... Um, just pen and paper. 
old yeah, school. Yeah, I would go to the library after work and I would make myself sit there for an hour and just try to write something, which was incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. and emotionally but yeah 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 uh, by the end i had this stack of short stories and it was like well, what do i do with these um i ran into my friend robert who was working on a podcast he's like i really like some of your your stories could you make them to scripts and it was like all right google how do we do a script mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're in mm-hmm. google word trying to format things correctly um and uh we, we made two episodes out of the whole season which were stories of mine and it was Super fun. I got to be a voice actor, which is not a career path for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, me but <laughs> Yeah, it turned out great and it was really fun. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to write ahead and make some more scripts the next season. Well, mm-hmm. this is like the fall of 2019 and um, things started falling apart. Things were locked down. There's not going to be another season. So I have these scripts and I don't know what to do. So I ran to my friend Jamie and he read one of my scripts, which eventually became Valentine Crush, which was a story about a roller derby girl abducted by her number one fan. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this is good. We could make a movie out of this. And I mean, how many times have you heard that? And like, ha ha, yes, we could definitely make a movie out of it. Uh, yeah. But Jamie was serious. So um, in May, we started pre-production. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we shot the whole movie and two Uh-oh. music videos in eight let, days. Let me pause you. Hang on. So when did he read it? And then how much later did you January. start? January. <laughs> so it was five months before yep, pre-production yep. began. I actually wow. started in May. That's when we formed our LLC. And we're like, you know, maybe we should have auditions or something. Um, yeah. 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 We wow. scrounged up enough funds. We scrounged up like $5,000 between like savings, friends, credit cards, just to to get there. And yeah, yeah, we had eight days to shoot it because my director and co-producer was uh, the manager at Olive Garden. And that's the uh, most he could off at one time. That's funny. I so love that. It was 2020. Uh, yeah. Everything is pretty much locked down. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a skeleton crew because we couldn't afford to have anybody get sick. Mm-hmm. I work in HVAC as my day job. So fortunately, my boss lent me some commercial um, air purifiers. So we had these running in between uh, takes. Oh, cool. But yeah, in eight days, we somehow shot everything. Wow. <laughs> no For five, five, 5K total was the budget? Um, that was our pre we did. So the idea was we wanted to get everything in the can and then do a Kickstarter to pay for post. Yeah. So five thousand was pretty much our starter budget. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of begging favors and. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I know all was, about it. Yeah. Yes. Um, me yeah. making a lot of things in crock pots for crafty. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We mm-hmm. lucked out with locations. We had people that lent us, like I, my friend Ruth, let us take over her family's farmhouse for a week, mm-hmm. and like put blood on the walls. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. Ruth. Didn't really know how much blood, uh, yeah. but. Yeah, I don't know how we could have done it without just like the generosity of people. And we had a lot of people that just, you know, they were furlogged. They didn't have anything to do entertainment wise because everything was shut down. Yep. So yep. it worked out in our favor, I guess. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. In February, we did our Kickstarter. We successfully raised $20,000, uh, which helped us get through post-production. Wow. That's awesome. And that's such a, <clears throat> like a uh, unbalanced production versus post-production budget that i mean you know you take all yeah. the money you can get for sure yeah but, um, well i man, mean that's that's we really did it cool. so fast and dirty we shot two cameras but the biggest <clears throat> issue was sound because the sound person we had got sick so now uh-huh. it's friends who could hold a boom mic yep, yep. <laughs> we had a lot of audio issues like i feel like that's my advice to anybody who's shooting like don't skimp on your audio <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah yeah totally true yeah i actually just um what's today sunday on when no tuesday and wednesday of last week i actually ran sound for the first time ever on a friend short film uh out of necessity i was only supposed to do one scene uh at the beginning of the shoot and then i was going to first ad the rest of the way and the sound person got sick and they couldn't do anything and uh so i just took over doing running sound and like you know i know a little bit about sound like having edited my own films and um gotten the sound in an okay place you know a lot of googling mm-hmm. a lot of youtubing trying to figure out what are appropriate levels what are you aiming for you know like decibel wise um but even then you know it was it was rough on set it, i think i did a pretty good job if i can toot my own horn i think i did okay but um but yeah it's it's tough you know because that was someone who is pretty familiar with mm-hmm. sound like in a way and yeah to just throw someone in the gauntlet it's rough yeah, it's a tough job. Um, yeah, I think it it's really a differentiator when you see like you go to film festivals and you see indie films like you can really see the people that had professionals working audio and then people yeah. that were just like, 
hey buddy just kind of hold this here <laughs> yeah yeah one one way that i've gotten around it is um on captcha a film that we made and then actually this last one my friend's film burnt um a lot of scenes were pretty static and we just boomed uh on a c-stand mm. just boom That's in and idea. leave it there and yeah mm-hmm. and like for the novice sound person it's uh, it's a you know it's so mm-hmm. helpful because you can just sit there and monitor the levels without worrying about turning or twisting or moving or anything with the boom uh yeah i don't know i'm just saying that it is like a little like hack for anyone who's like yeah, how are we going to get sound yeah. done on our short film it's like if you can put it on a stand and set it and forget it that's kind of cool you know mm-hmm. but um but anyway yeah back to your film um so 20,000 that's a pretty nice little post production budget yeah and what's so you know from the very beginning and this is really like Jamie my director and co-producer's vision was he wanted to pack the movie with a lot of music so mm-hmm. in his previous life, he did a lot of booking shows here in town. So he had a lot mm-hmm. of connections from musical artists. Mm-hmm. He wanted to have a, a full soundtrack of all um, female-led bands or musicians. Mm-hmm. So um, the nice thing was that we had a lot of musicians that weren't touring. And so we actually got some people to not only write original music for the movie, but come out and actually be part of the production. Wow. It was pretty crazy. And That's it also awesome. meant now we had this built-in audience. So not just like roller derby, but we have all the fans of these bands that are now yes. checking out the Kickstarter that's being shared by the musicians. Smart. Um, the funny thing is Jamie was really hell bent on getting vinyl. So we have a double vinyl soundtrack and it took us like two years to get it because of the vinyl shortage. <laughs> and then Adele. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so we do finally have them and they're very, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. But that was like the, the thing we didn't think would be the big Herculean effort. And like, yeah, yeah it's a lot of, a lot of records. <laughs> Yeah, man, I love that so much. I love the idea too of um of building out a fan base, you know, by just the certain people that you get involved in your projects. And I mean, you know, it's no secret either. Like one shitty thing that's going on nowadays with like casting is casting like these TikTokers or these YouTube stars because of their built-in audience, which is mm-hmm. of course not what you did. It's way different. But um, but it is a fascinating idea um that's happening right now people because you know we all kind of have the ability to have our own following and build our own Mm -hmm. following in a way that we didn't 20 years ago oh yeah Uh, well the nice thing about working with like musicians and performing artists is artists not just like they're not not the same as actors but they understand like performance you know they if you give Mm -hmm. them direction Mm -hmm. they take it they understand that this is part of an act and i think that's a little different than acting in front of like your webcam on yeah. TikTok, somebody that actually yeah. kind of takes feedback and direction really well. Like all totally. of the musicians we worked with were awesome and super yeah. helpful behind the set too. Like uh, E-Turn, yeah. she's a hip hop artist out of Miami and uh, she was fantastic. She had a couple scenes of the coach, but she was there the whole week to help out and like running coffees, holding mm. things for people. Like it was, yeah. it was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, interestingly, a friend of mine had a lead drop out of his film on the day before shooting and he got a local musician to fill in and she was great. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, of course they're performers, of oh, course, yeah. often charismatic people, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I guess, you know, if you've ever even made a music video, you've taken direction and you understand yeah. how things go. And, you know, there might be a lot of takes of having to do the same thing and you don't feel weird doing that because you've done mm-hmm. it before. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, man, that's so cool. I love that. Sounds like a really scrappy um, project that came together like magic. Um, <laughs> and where is that available? Is it available um, or is it still in festivals? We're still at festivals. This was another okay. big thing that Jamie and I wanted to do is because we had so many musicians from across the country, we've mm-hmm. been trying to get into festivals in all of their markets. So we actually were just mm-hmm. in Miami. Uh, E-Turn got to see it on the big screen with an audience for the first time. So that was really cool. Oh, so cool. It's fun the musicians can kind of pump up these, you know, these screenings and bring in their fans and enjoy it on the big screen. So mm-hmm. um, I think we've got a few more festivals um, still kind of shopping for distribution. But our hope is to um, finish festivals by the end of the year, just because it's been a marathon, as you yeah. probably know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, for sure. But not with a feature. I'm sure a feature is even even crazier. Yeah, it's um, really fun. Um, and yeah. There's just nothing, and you know this, like there's nothing like your audience seeing your movie and hearing like the reactions. There's there's a scene there. I always have to turn around and see because the, the expressions on people's face are so great. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it really is magical for sure. And just, yeah, a moment where all the bullshit, all the money spent, all the lost sleep, it's all worth it when mm-hmm. you're watching it with people. 
Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, and okay, so yeah, you make this um feature while you're like what was it, 2017 you started writing podcasts? Yeah. Scripts. And mm-hmm. then you when when's the switch to narrative? Like, oh well, um, I know you're kind of doing narrative, but you're also doing podcasts. Yeah, I like mostly in 2020, you know, after doing Valentine okay. Crush, it's like I really like this. I want to keep writing scripts. So yeah. been more, more focused on features and pilots um in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, did I skip that part? Did we skip that part? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So okay. So that brings us to today. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um. All right. So you know, we talked a little bit about your brand already. I think I'm cutting that question now because I'm doing the bio thing up front. <laughs> so uh, you know, let's move right into like who you are as a re- well. You know what? What? Let me ask this. What? Um. As a screenwriter, what genres do you mainly play in? Or are um, you genre agnostic? Uh, I really love um, sci-fi and horror. They're mm-hmm. kind of my favorites. Uh, I've mm-hmm. tried some other drama or rom-com, and it just isn't a fit. Like, genre is just, it appeals to me. I like I like the darker yeah. side of fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love that. Yeah, I can, I can relate. I'm kind of like in this drama, dramedy lane. However, mm-hmm. like, one day I want to make a Jordan Peele turn and do, like, yeah, crazy right? horror movie because I'm such a huge horror fan. Tonight I'm going to see Saw X. People are yes. saying it's, like, crazy good, which Ooh, is awesome. crazy because, you know, not to not to talk bad about a franchise, but that franchise went off the rails for sure. Mm, yeah. Any I franchise kinda, I kind of gets... lost touch after the first couple ones, and that's where I'm like, if it's going to be returned to like the origins or like at least the the way you felt watching those first couple of films, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. I really liked them when they started. And then um, I think, well, any franchise, when you get seven, eight, nine sequels deep, like yeah. it, it's impossible to keep up the, the quality or to stay on even a logical like narrative. Yes. Like everything gets so off the rails, like look no further than like the original Halloween timeline when like michael myers like the culty stuff gets introduced Mm -hmm. and like all this insanity um and you all those historic franchises go off the rails and it's kind of what i love about it too you know because those are the movies i grew up on and like they're so batshit crazy but they'll always hold a special place in my heart um but anyway yeah people people are really raving about this saw movie and i'm like really uh, like the 10th right. Saw movie is really yeah they're like it's the best in the series and I'm mm. like no way so I'm really curious but um anyway yeah big horror fan big sci-fi fan as well um so yeah I love that um let's jump into you as a writer um so since everyone's routine is unique can you describe your regular writing routine to me like are you a morning writer night writer i know you have a five-year-old night writer <laughs> yeah yeah night writer <laughs> yeah i uh go to work really early morning i mean i like super early but i usually be at work at seven so oh that's early yeah uh, it's early for me and mm-hmm. my son goes to bed around like 9 nine thirty. so usually as soon as he's in bed i run downstairs to my computer and clock a few hours of writing just about every day um awesome. that was i mean not to start always the arguments about writing every day, but it's it's worked for me to have a routine. I really mm-hmm. I really thrive with like a set schedule. Mm-hmm. So, um, and my mindset's always kind of like if I'm really serious about writing, I want to treat this like a part time job or at least like something that I really want to do every day eventually. Mm-hmm. So carving out that time has been really important. Um, and just you know turning everything off. I've usually listened. This is kind of weird, but to the same soundtrack every time. Mm, <laughs> yeah. This weird Pavlovian like effect where it's like I turn the soundtrack on, like it times out to exactly sixty minutes, and it's just like I can just instantly step into something and start writing. I don't get distracted, and I don't know. It's yeah. weird. I've done it for like yeah, three years now, so it's just like boom. All right, time to write. Yeah, and if you're a person who thrives on routine, then that's definitely good. Um, would you share the soundtrack? Ah, uh, it's actually the Philip Glass soundtrack to Tales from the Loop. It's fantastic. Oh, hmm. I love Philip Glass. It's like uh-huh. really kind of haunting piano music. Um, yeah. I can't listen to things with words or else I just get distracted. So like soundtracks or piano music is really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what it is about it. It just kind of like fires my creative energy and and probably like all of their YouTube videos hits or something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. Um, yeah, I was just listening to, um, did you see last year the movie Barbarian? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, Zach Kreger, the writer-director, I listened to him on a podcast saying that he found this like really obscure 
artist um i forget what country she was from it wasn't america and she was so obscure that her youtube had like like a hundred subscribers or less like she was oh, not okay. a popular person but it got fed mm-hmm. to him in his algorithm and he played one of the tracks and loved it so much that he played it over and over and over throughout the entire writing of barbarian mm-hmm. and then that then he reached out to that musician and they talked and i think the musician came and like had contributions awesome. and stuff like that but um but just you saying that that you're probably all of their youtube hits is like hilarious. oh yeah I, and there's a yeah. couple other like that I always kind of like pick a song for each screenplay I write and mm-hmm. like use that to kind of like emotionally, I guess, hack my brain into like stepping into whatever I'm going to write. So yeah, me too. I think it's cool how music can just be like this other creative gateway for people. Definitely. Yeah. I like to pick one song that's almost like a trailer song. Like mm-hmm. I can hear this in the trailer. I don't listen to it when I write because like you, I get distracted. Mm-hmm. But um, but I can listen to it before writing for whatever project I'm working on. Listen to that song, and it just puts me in the world. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I'm writing. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Yeah, like literally, when we get off here, I'm gonna write for a project, and I know the song that I'm listening to is uh, "Astro Zombies" by The Misfits. Nice. It's like an old throwback about like teenage skateboarders. It's kind of about me when I was a kid. But Wait. um, but yeah, it uh, it puts me right in that world. Um. And I love that. I love hearing other writers talk about that. So like, you know, writing so late at night, does it ever like present a problem? Because I'm someone who like, I need some caffeine when I write and like, I, you know what I mean? Like, and you're writing right before bed. Um, do you, what? what's it like otherwise, you know, are you like, do you have a favorite beverage when you write? Do you- uh, usually just drink tea. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like my unwind for the day. Usually I will spend time um, during the day just like thinking about what I want to write. So mm-hmm. usually like maybe be a scene or two um, each night. So kind of like think about where I left off the night before and kind of mentally rehearse where I am. So I can just jump in right away. Mm-hmm. I always try to like leave on a place where I have enough closure to stop, but I'm still excited to write next scene. Yeah. That kind of helps like keep me motivated because there's nothing worse than like dreading when you have to get back to your computer because you're stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Momentum like is so multiple huge. Projects. I'm one of those people. So when mm. I do get stuck. I will pivot to another script or, um, chip away another project or an outline so that I can just kind of shift gears. Um, yeah. I just hate that like frustration of like trying to like pound an idea out of your head and sometimes just working on something else can, I don't know, knock something loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something I would really like to get better at. I've heard so many professional writers suggest that, um, you know, always having a few things going. So at any given time, how many projects do you think you have going? Is it like two, three, maybe four? Probably like three or four. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. At least try to like have two at once that I'm pretty back and forth on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's maybe time for me to experiment with that. I I, I get one project going and I get determined on that project and obsessed with that one thing. And sometimes I think it makes me drag a little bit because I do run into like brick walls every now and again mm-hmm. where I don't know where to go. But um, OK, interesting. Cool. So let's talk about like your writing process. Um, let's say you have a brand new idea. Okay, you're you have three in the in the oven somewhere else and you just mm-hmm. came up with a fourth. Um, so what's the first thing that you do? Do you like jump into an outline? Do you start messing around with log lines? Do you need a title? Do you just start writing pages? What's the first thing you do when you get a new idea? So I usually try to start with a log line, even if it's a really crappy one. I just kind of want to get my arms around around it so I can understand really like what the genre is. It feels like it's a feature or a pilot. Um, And then I do my outlining in Excel, which is -hmm. is kind of a technique I learned from like novel writing. So I'll I'll, each line will be a a scene and I'll kind of just figure out what the major scenes are. And then on other tabs, I'll try to have like character studies. So understanding who all the characters are, um, you know, what their drives are, what their arc is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And then I will just jump in. <laughs> I don't do mm-hmm. like lots of really in-depth outlining or world building. I really prefer exploratory writing. Yeah, like, me I, too. I call it an exploratory draft. Like I know the first draft's going to be, it's going to need work. I'm okay with mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. the exciting part for me is the writing part. Like I want to get in there and start having my characters interact. I want them to mm-hmm. react to to things. That keeps me excited about writing. So yeah. um I, and, and I also will start like a separate document for scenes that aren't in the script. Like, I think mm-hmm. this has been a process I've been kind of toying with, which is 
um, adding more depth to the characters by understanding like relationships maybe previous to the story I'm exploring. Um, and that's been really helpful. It just kind of lets me mentally chew through, um, you know, what I really want to talk about in the script. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, you, you seem to be very organized. Is that true? It is all an illusion. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you can see yeah. the stacks of junk around me. Uh, yeah, well, it looks to be orderly. There's a lot, but it's orderly. Um, and I, I mean, I'll also write things in snippets too. I'm a big fan of like emailing myself like scenes or, Hey, this is a thing that characters may say. I don't know when they're going to say it, but like save yeah. this. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. have like folders full of just like all these snippets that I somehow need to put into uh into a final document. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pure chaos for sure. I'm 35 <laughs> year old single guy like no kids like it's chaos over here and every time i interview someone who's also a parent a parent screenwriter it seems like you you have a very nice routine you like routines routines are your friend and uh just like organization and like you know like writing outlines in an excel document would probably be so much more beneficial than me one word doc that just gets to like eight pages of random notes <laughs> I like it because I'm a very visual person. So I really like being able to just see things unfold yeah. in that logical way. And it makes mm -hmm. it really easy to move them around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to do more like exploratory hard copy stuff, but um, I also lose things all the time. So anything that's digital, I can put in my Google Drive and not lose is great. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I can see that almost acting like as like a map, like a treasure map almost, like an Excel yeah. document where you can just see it all right there. Yeah, it's it's really helpful. Yeah, for sure um <clears throat> cool okay so we know a little bit about your writing process um at what point do you start writing pages like after the exploratory idea phase oh gosh pretty quick pretty quick like yeah. i just i just finished an outline the other week and i was like oh let's just jump into this so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, i mean how long, you know, how long did you spend on the outline um, probably about three weeks. This one was a little longer. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I keep telling myself, you know, I sort of, I have like two extremes. I have like really lighthearted, like horror comedy. And then just like the stuff that your writer's group tells you like, wow, this legitimately gave me a nightmare. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, yeah. you know, I like the, the scary, scary stuff is, is interesting and things I want to explore, but it's mm -hmm. some of the harder stuff to edit because it's just emotionally taxing to, yeah read through like heavy scripts like that and i was like mm -hmm. this story is leaning more towards that so i'm like do you want to emotionally do this before winter do you want to write a script like, this? like <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's pulling me there i think i have to do this damn it so yeah yeah uh, i think i'm gonna do it <laughs> nice nice i think you should you should hey right um, what do they say right what scares you right yeah for sure you know i think that anything like that you know if it's emotionally taxing it's i, I think that's a sign that it's going to be good um I mean, there can be some times where it's like, I don't know, it's art, you know, like who's yeah. to say what you can and can't say because to someone's like, that's an overshare, you shouldn't have said that is my, yeah, it was fucked up. But like, I mean, that's what that person feels, that artist, you know, like, right. I don't know, who are we to say what yeah. they can and can't say? I always joke, I want to make something that gets me chased out of the state. And this, you know, this one might be it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make the writers group be like, so what happened to you as a kid? Yeah. Like, what what was your life? You seem so nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's also every horror writer, I find. Like, every horror writer is so, like, genuinely nice and, like, bubbly. And then you read their stuff like, wow, okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I feel like so many horror writers, too. Not just nice, but uh, funny, too. Like, funny yeah. people. And it's just so odd, like um uh like just even seeing like i feel like people my latest addiction is watching people watch movies on youtube for the first time they're like they react to oh, movies yeah, for the yeah. first time so like and one of my favorites recently has been watching people watch like hereditary for the first time oh, or boy. like midsommar mm. just because people are like ari aster like what's like he should be investigated or imprisoned or like you know like what's going on with what's that guy wrong with your brain <laughs> exactly and then you see that guy in interviews though and he's totally normal yeah totally normal like, nice like the guy. <laughs> yeah super chill and yeah but i get it too though because you know and I'm, I'm sure you as well um because i've dabbled in horror you know and i've written some horror that definitely goes to some places but um but it's like 
part of that too is just that's what you're doing you're pushing the envelope when you mm-hmm. write comedy you push the envelope like what's the funniest thing to me mm-hmm. and then writing horror you're like what scares me and just hope that that's going to resonate with everyone else right. you know is it too specific but i've always found that leaning whether it's comedy or whatever really cerebral stuff that makes you think like nolan you know type stuff uh, no matter what it is, like, I think the more specific you are and honest you are about what interests you or scares you or makes you laugh, um, like, instead of trying to be broad, but rather mm-hmm. be hyper specific, I feel like that yes. shit always works the best. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. being really intentional. Like, I yeah. always heard that phrase, like, bandied about on screenwriting Twitter. And I don't think it's really made sense to me until recently. Just like, you know, you really can do anything in a script as long as you're intentional. And yeah. You know, understanding what you want your your story and each scene, what each character to do and communicate to your audience is um, is always the goal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so you had a controversial tweet. No, I'm just kidding. I, that would be fucked up. <laughs> this is so off brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I don't think I've seen one from I you. I think the most controversial tweet I, tweets I have are like the garbage food that I eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very you smart. Chili cheese dog yesterday. Right. Yeah. Oh, and that's actually what I had in my notes. Yeah. The chili yep, cheese yep. dogs. No, um, uh, that's a smart way to move about screenwriting Twitter, though. But I, I have to admit, I love when someone tweets something batshit crazy and I just open I, the comments will, like, we'll here admit, we go. Like, like my poor, like my partner, Dusty, has to hear me unpack like the screenwriter Twitter drama every once in a while. <laughs> because uh-huh. My phone is what? Like, oh, man, here's what's yeah. going down. Yeah. Like, so there's this producer what? of this show. And he I know said it sounds this, weird like, that people that write about made up people are creating drama. But <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Man, it's so crazy on there. And <laughs> I really think like similar to like the, you know, the the art being kind of crazy. And then you meet the person and they're a decent likable person yeah i feel like sometimes that's maybe what screenwriting twitter is the internet is this divide where we can't truly speak to each other Mm -hmm. um and people get in all these arguments and all these things but if we were all hanging out at austin film festival or something we just be long and oh yeah yeah it's hilarious but anyway uh we won't i won't dive into your controversial twitter past that's good that's good (laughs) um so when when a first draft is complete do you, what's the first thing you do? Do you like send it to your writer's group? Do you keep it to yourself for a while and make sure it's in like second or third draft shape before you send it out? Um, I will usually try to give it a couple of days, like let that like newbie, like this is the best thing I've ever written feeling kind of wear off, <laughs> be right. realistic. And yep. then uh, I usually, I, I have, cause I'm an insane person. I have three screenwriting groups I'm part of. <laughs> wow that sounds like a lot like because each one of those some work goes into it yes i do so. love reading scripts i probably like i said i'm reading at least like a script or two a week um for peers which i love i really do mm-hmm. i i get yeah. i learn so much from all the people um through screenwriting twitter and my groups but um sure yes also a crazy person so i <laughs> Yeah. I have different groups and it's funny because like in one I was like the oldest person and another I'm like the only woman and then another uh-huh. I'm like the youngest person so uh-huh. I, it's it's great because I can kind of pick which script is the best fit to get feedback from um but I usually yeah. try to like I mean I think everyone knows that you know your weakest scenes and you know the weakest part of your script but you you don't know why and that's I usually try to give the group like hey you know this doesn't work and I don't know why or this ending doesn't feel like it lands or the pacing here needs work just to kind of give people some ideas. Cause I, I think, you know, a lot of my groups have been in for a while. So everyone knows me and um, I'm kind of nice. So I always feel like people want to like, just give you nice feedback. And I'm like, no, I need to know what's wrong here. Totally, <laughs> I know there's totally. something that's not working. Um, so <laughs> yeah. like making sure people know that they can, you know, give me the hard notes mm-hmm. uh, cause I want it to be better. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been very fortunate. I think I've always, gotten really great feedback with very few exceptions um and i relied very heavily on like my peers to to help me improve so they've been yeah. it's been awesome and it keeps me sane you know i think a lot of people found screenwriting and screenwriting groups uh, after the pandemic mm-hmm. and it's very lonely when you live on like a moonscape in the middle of winter so having mm-hmm. like screenwriter meetings where i can just geek out about screenwriting has been like super beneficial <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Zoom has once I just I mean, the pandemic kind of opened it up to a lot of people. 
But once I found Zoom and just hanging out with writers sometimes, yeah. like not even in a podcast form, it is part of the reason I do this though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meet writers and hang out. I mean, there's and... only so much our family can handle up hearing about screenwriting. So <laughs> exactly, hundred percent. Yeah. So like, uh, but yeah, it's been great. And then you know, just getting on writer hangouts and stuff. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's been awesome. Um, probably like you in South Dakota. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, where there's not like a thriving film scene necessarily per se. And um, hopefully that changes. We just got a new film tax credit here that was taken away 10 years ago and we just got it back. So maybe that'll change. But, um, you know, we're not a hub of narrative film stuff. So like opening up my world on Twitter to all these writers who are like kind of doing the same thing I was doing, hustling really, really hard wherever they were, just trying to figure it out. How do I get into this industry? How do I get better at writing? Mm -hmm. Um, Just realizing there's other people taking it that serious out there because that's how I was. And I'm sure how you take it too. You know, you're talking Mm -hmm. about trying to write every night, um, trying to stay consistent. You're in three writers groups. Um, But like, yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's nice to find people who are really like uh, dedicated. You know, because it yeah. also inspires you, like, to stay motivated. Yeah. Well, and you see people that are, like, making it. You know, they're winning contests. They're, yeah. they're getting crap. And they're le- reading your stuff and being like, this is really good. This is what I suggest. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Maybe yeah. just like a little bit. Not as much as I thought. Yay. <laughs> right, right. And now we're at the point, too, where we're both, like, you know, a few years into being in, like, the Twitter universe of screenwriters. And, yeah, it's, like, people that you met at the beginning when you were both just hustling some of them have like really cool stuff going on now. And it's like, you know, it's, it's just a process for everyone and we all move at different speeds and, you know, you just hope everyone can get there. Yeah. um, It's cool. I like, and I love the positivity everybody has. I think even just today, guy was doing a whole thread on shouting people out, you know, the the cheerleader of screenwriting Twitter. Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah. It's so fun to see people, especially when you've given them notes and you've seen them put in the hard work, like actually see the the fruits of all that labor because, you know, The hardest thing about writing is it just feels like you're never making progress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like there's no, yep. there's no measurements the same way. You're not earning badges or belts or anything else. It's just like, mm-hmm. but you kind of know when you're, you know, maybe uh, this is just me, but I can tell when I finish a script and it's better than the last script. Like, you know, oh, you yeah. Just, yeah. You just kind of know in your gut, like I'm, I'm getting better. I always keep those like really old copies of my scripts just so I can read and be like, oh, yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. There's Even so like much, so much exposition. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Even like structurally, I can just tell when I'm like doing a really good job of like setting up the arc that's going to mm-hmm. happen or like just figuring out how to have two characters in a movie have arcs that like coincide with each other in a really meaningful way, but still keeping it kind of subtle, but like, mm-hmm. it also it coincides with the theme. Like when that shit happens, like, you're yes. just like, dude, Oh my God, <laughs> this is so good. But like, yeah, it just, you're working that muscle and getting a little more consistent every time. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think one of the most valuable things is too, you'll always have that script that you wrote really well to think back on and give you confidence. Like, well, I did it there. You know, mm-hmm. like this will work because I did yes. it before. I just got to like figure it out. I just got to yeah. sit here and think about it. Um, But yeah, just having that reference point and so much of it's about confidence. Like you said, you know, having a writer build you up that you respect is amazing. Getting a semifinalist placement in a contest is amazing. Um, Yeah, you know, it all it all adds up. Um, It's it's that's one of the hardest parts, I think, though, about staying in the fight is like yeah. there's the the highs are great but the lows are low um and you just gotta like stay even keeled right down the middle i feel like that's what i try to do like Mm -hmm. when i when i have a big win i should let myself celebrate a little more probably but i keep it so tame (laughs) because i just know that the next disappointment's right around the corner um i don't know that's how i handle it but and it might not be that healthy but it's just man it's such a roller coaster yeah, I I have a little folder I started. I can't remember who suggested it, but they're like, hey, when you get like a really good note uh, or a shout out, like take a screenshot and save it in the folder. So when you have those days when you're just like, I'm going to just trash this whole project, I'm just going to hang it up. You can yeah. go and read all those and it can kind of put some fuel in your tanks and be like, OK, like maybe I just need to like have a snack and a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink that's awesome. Water. <laughs> I like that a just lot. That's really. <laughs> I might need to start doing that. Yeah, um, it's silly, but it super works. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, so, and then 
Let's see, do you wait a while before you enter a script in a contest? Like, Usually, do you wait till you're a few notes processes in? Yeah, I try to make sure it's the point where I'm happy with it, I guess. I've had mm -hmm. a couple rounds of revisions and um, like it feels ready. I don't know. I've been trying to like, I didn't really enter contests until like 2022, mostly because I just didn't really oh. know it existed. And yeah, um, it's a whole other world. Yeah. And I wanted to like try to find contests that picking scripts that are the right kind of script for the contest, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. there's just some yeah. contests that I felt like I had a script that might perform better. So, mm -hmm. uh, which is mm -hmm. funny because the one, the one that actually ended up second rounding at Austin was like not the one I thought that they would pick, but oh well. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, I, it was kind of a left field one, but I mean, yeah. like, there's stuff that I'm like, uh, this is a long shot and then it'll like get something. And then the other ones and I'm like, this is so perfect for this. And then nothing. Yeah. I All know, subjective, yeah. And it feels kind of like the lottery, but um, yep. I do think it, um, it, it gives you that sense of accomplishment that you don't get otherwise. So, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you can enter early, like I don't think there's any harm in contests and mm -hmm. it definitely helps you build up a little bit of uh, notoriety and uh, people take mm -hmm. notice. So. Yep. Yep, definitely. Yeah, that's the path that I tried to take too. And now I'm kind of not entering as many anymore. But like, yeah, you know, and being strategic, like you said, which contests actually move the needle on people's mm -hmm. career, you know, look at recent winners or recent high placers, yeah. what they're up to three years later, five years later. Um, that kind of stuff is smart to do. Um, you know, I, I've wondered, and as a horror writer, I wonder if you have an opinion on this, um, like the nickel. So it's the Academy who runs it. Mm -hmm. And the Academy is traditionally not very friendly to horror films and the Oscars. Uh, I wonder, do you think that bleeds over into the the fellowship? Because I I, I don't like they, recall seeing any of my horror writing friends have luck. I was going to say, it seems like if you look at the track record, it's a lot of dramas. Yep. And that's like what I, I, I submitted like a sci-fi feature. And it was actually the one that Austin picked. But like I said, it seemed like a real long shot because it's it felt darker and yeah. more genre than maybe what they're looking for but yeah 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 i was just wondering if you had an opinion on that because i do i do think that and I, as a drama dramedy writer i was lucky to place in the nickel but it's like my i, I do admit my scripts are like probably tailor-made mm. for that um like little indie spot. you know yeah trying to be like an indie yeah. darling kind of thing um yeah so lucky for me but then i'm not placing in like a prestigious horror contest well, at all you know the other thing with contests you know if you want to write more like indie focused features things in like that five million less budget like mm -hmm. there's definitely a whole level of screenwriting contests that are more tailored to that yeah versus like you want to do big studio films with huge budgets like yeah, there's definitely contests for that too right right yeah and i feel like the whole horror side of screenwriting and filmmaking like it's its own world and i think it's because the more mainstream shit kind of shuts out horror and horror over the years was like, fuck it, we'll just do our own thing. Yeah. And um, because like film festival wise, horror festivals, yeah, they're huge. And there's so many that are just so great and horror focused. Um, it's really cool. Yeah, that's something I think like moving into this next year is what I'm focused more on. I just feel like, you know, I do really enjoy writing pilots, um, but it just doesn't feel like that's probably gonna be somebody in the middle of South Dakota that's uh, gonna have a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, so really kind of focusing more on on writing features that are yeah horror horror features that are probably in that one million less budget range because it feels like there's a much bigger market for that you yeah. know, this last year was huge for horror movies oh, you know, the man. box office yeah and, you know if no one else is buying specs i can tell you there's lots of indie production companies that are hungry for things that would be easy to shoot mm -hmm. uh, on a small budget and yep. and a great know, concept following. yep yeah i feel like so much of it right now is um uh a great log line too like a great pitch. Yes. Like what's the hook? If you have a great hook right now and it's mm -hmm. horror and it's cheap and easy to make, yes. that could potentially be the one that was made for two to four million. Well, one to one to four million dollars and gross is like 250 yeah, million. Yeah, look at Slother House. Yeah. Like it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it made a killing and it's it's yeah. cheesy, it's mm -hmm. like over the top, and like, yeah, it's such an easy pitch, right? <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. Alone sells it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like horror in the past like five years is the one that really never went away in yeah. box office revenue. Like it's it's been a pretty consistent thing. Uh, but it's a it's a communal experience to watch a horror movie, much like a comedy, which like, you know, we're seeing 
kind of bigger R-rated comedies coming yeah, back right R-rated now. comedy is coming back, which is good. It's good, but I'll tell you what, the from what I've followed on like, you know, just box office mojo and me trying to understand that part of it, um, doesn't seem like it's doing overwhelmingly great in its return no. to the theaters, and that sucks. Um, but like, yeah, horror has just been a thing that's never gone gone away and um which is great you know um it's just it's it, it's definitely like such a weird time with streaming and just like how much it's yeah. decimated the box office and made only certain films viable and mm-hmm. everything else goes to a streamer to be forgotten in a sea of a thousand titles yep. and they get maybe the first release day on like the home page mm-hmm. whatever streamer and then it's gone and it's just yep. in the mix uh it's really depressing Honestly, like I, I hate that. I, I just yeah. I long for the days of like, you know, the 90s and like kind of 2000s of every movie had a theatrical run. It seemed like, you know, I know yeah. obviously not every movie. There's a lot of cool underground indie shit. But, you know, so many movies that don't anymore, the type of movie they are, did have theatrical runs back then. Mm-hmm. You could go and rent the movies at Blockbuster. I know I'm sounding like a boomer to any like teenage or early 20s listeners, but I'm just saying it was a better time. There's like real marketing budgets behind movies too. Like anymore, yeah. gosh, like there's movies that'll come out, they just drop. Like, like that came yeah. to the theaters? I know. And it's I know. like two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so like baffled by stuff like that because some of these are by like legit production companies or legit yeah. studios. And it's like, did they just decide they don't care at the last minute? Or like, did they like, fail? did they forget? Yeah. <laughs> they like forget to market it. Yeah, it's it's very baffling to me. Um, yeah. But I'm hoping that there's there's something that changes, especially in like the indie film uh, <clears throat> markets, because it is, it's growing. There's such creative, cool films. You know, you go to film festivals and you see these amazing filmmakers showcasing their, their mm. stuff. And it's just like, well, where can I find it? You know, maybe I can dig through Tubi someday and find it, but you know, yeah. it ends up being a needle in a haystack. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. You have to know what you're looking for and then Google where to find it. Basically it just, there's not as much free browsing. Like I remember even like having a digital cable box when I was like a teenager and you had like your seven or eight movie channels, you know, stars, Mm -hmm. HBO, Cinemax. And at any given time they're playing whatever movies have just been released on, you know, video on demand or whatever. It just made it so much easier to track what's out right now. Mm -hmm. What's hot. You know, if a movie's out recently on HBO, they're playing it nonstop to the point where you're sick of it, but you did see it. Right. No um and now yeah i don't know it's just it's a lot different anyway i'm depressed about the state of the film industry guys (laughs) uh (laughs) okay cool so um uh all right awesome what are your hobbies outside of screenwriting that help keep you sane i know about roller derby yes you already know about roller derby um Uh, yes uh i also do um i'm a painter so you can i guess you can see in the background a painting Yes. Uh, inspired by mushrooms. Um, oh, cool. So is that also, like fairly recent? Uh, I think I did that last winter. And then there's a cow school behind me. I also paint animal skulls. It's mm. kind of a weird thing to get into. My brother owns um, an ice house, like a big ice factory out in the Black Hills. And yeah. um, in the wintertime, when they're not making as much ice, he rents out their giant coolers to a bison farm. And hmm. one year, the, the owner of the bison farm paid my brother in like a bunch of bison meat and a bunch of bison skulls. My was like, how am I going to do with these? So he gave them to yeah. me. And, mm-hmm. uh, I painted them and sold cool. a few. And then, like, so I've been doing commission work. Uh, I've got a lot of cow skulls in my house. And yeah, yeah. it's fun, weird, macabre, you know. Maybe I'll write a skull uh, script one day because I got a guy I met on Craigslist. He's very mm-hmm. strange. I love mm-hmm. when you just get a weird, like, text message that says, hey, I got some raccoon skulls. You want them? Like, <laughs> I totally do. <laughs> yes, I do. Flying, truck, flying J truck stop to go buy them. Wow, that is hilarious. <laughs> that is a super interesting subculture. That's so niche. I've, I've done I love some, it. Like, the, I think the weirdest commission I ever had, because I do a lot of deer skulls for like women that maybe like their first like deer they shot. Mm. Uh, they want to have it pretty. So mm. it doesn't like, you know, like, there's only so many ways you can spice up a, a like a European mount, which is the style where they have just the bone and the antlers. Mm. So painted them on like flowers, make them all pretty. That's so husbands. interesting. But yeah, I had a guy that he gave me, I think it was four cat skulls. They were uh-huh. his cats and he wanted to make some sort of like cat totem pole for his living room. So he'd sketched it all out and hundred bucks, I guess. 
Hey, there you go. Yeah. He's a happy customer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Wow. That is really interesting. You should write something about that. Right. <laughs> There's got to be something in that world that's really interesting. Never pay into human skulls. Technically legal. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, when, you know, it, when my time comes, you have my permission. There if you, you want to make my skull very pretty, skull. that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Just tell the coroner yeah. or whoever, like, yeah. We'll just reference this me. podcast episode. Is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At the uh, the 53 minute mark of my yep, episode on the Social Screenwriters podcast. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, No, that's super, super crazy. Super interesting. Um, I love that. And then like, so not to go back to this, but I was just curious, the um, the traumatic brain injury, was that roller derby related? Yes. Yeah. I had my own my own teammate swept my skates out from under me and went oh, straight backwards into my head. Horrible about that. Yeah, they they it was like their first game too. So I, I felt bad too. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's it just bad luck. Yeah, yeah, because I skateboard, you know, and I've had like a couple concussions in my day and um but never anything that severe yeah and i've had a couple concussions um mostly like no impact ones like where you get hit and your head kind of like bobbles back and forth yeah and your brain kind of scrambles inside your skull fun times yep. Yep, uh, yep, but yep. yeah nothing quite like this <laughs> yeah that's intense and then like i mean like just you know i don't know a lot about roller derby except for like the drew barrymore oh, directed yep. film whip it. Mm-hmm. whip it yeah uh which is great but like uh so i mean you gotta be fucking tough do that i mean it helps yeah right right you just yeah really fast no one can hit you but um oh okay that's kind of yeah, yeah a little bit like hockey I mean, you're going in a circle way. so you, it might be futile but yeah uh, yeah yeah i was a jammer which is the point scorer the one with the, the star in the head so that was your whole goal was like go as fast as you can like a wrecking ball um yeah. and i will say to my credit uh, i <laughs> i did at least break one person's arm playing roller derby so oh shit good for you hit, so it's okay yeah, it's a legal hit. Yeah, and it it's must totally have been a good. Legal hit. She was in my way. Yeah. Um, I did. I did feel bad though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, well, you know. her arm, so. Yeah, well, you know, she shouldn't have been there. No, I'm yep. just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's derby, exactly <laughs> right. Like it's that's that's context sports. That's roller derby. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting. That's cool. And then, um, let's see, and you know, there might be a mushroom hunting script in there as well. Oh yeah, I, I um, Kitterich actually has like the understory is like uh, a fungus that causes people to um, like short circuits their brain and creates like this hive mind kind of thing. So oh, they're really cool. interested in slime molds. Very fascinating. Yeah, Very interesting. Love it, love it. Um, okay, so I'm gonna ask you to make to pick one of your favorite babies, your script babies um of the scripts that you've written which is your favorite and why uh i i think i would pick tandem uh this is the Mm -hmm. the sci-fi script that got selected for aff and has like been like dogged by every other film festival Uh um i think it's my favorite because it's definitely the most like visually ambitious script Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the story is based on a dream i had in high school which sounds really weird uh because i think everyone probably has a script they've written about a dream but like I don't know. Like, there's just something about this story that stuck with me, uh, you know, like 20 years later. And Mm -hmm. uh, the story is about um, a world where, you know, dystopian future where everyone has like VR headsets. Mm -hmm. So that's your recreation is putting on a VR headset and kind of getting to live out whatever fantasy you want. Maybe play like Ready Player One style. Mm -hmm. The main character is a suicide prevention officer because obviously if this was a reality, uh, there would be a a lot of people that would just want to tune in and never wake up. Yeah. She tandems into people's consciousness, kind of paprika style. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. I'm not. Um, and like convinces them to wake up. Okay. Uh, so, but the, and the way that you can tell people are in like this virtual reality is that like every layer of consciousness is color coded mm-hmm. um, and gets bigger and bigger. So like, as, like I said, the story just kind of unfolds in these really weird surrealistic scenes. Yeah. Um, but the character discovers that the devices have a glitch that people will trapped inside of them. So all these people are dying and the company's covering it up. So yeah, she and a hacker try awesome. to find a way to like implement this patch. And as yeah. the story starts unfolding, you can't, you as a viewer can't really tell what's real and what's not real anymore. Yeah. And uh, I would say it's the first time I wrote a script that truly has an ambiguous ending. 
um, depending on how you read it, which is interesting when I send it to people to like tell them like, well, do you think that like, does Ellen find her husband? Is she dead the whole time? Is she still mm. trapped inside the R? Like mm. it's, and it's all so like bolded all the colors in there. So as you're reading through, there's like all these clues as to mm. where you're actually at through the colors. Um, but interesting yeah, weird and people either love it or hate it so maybe that's a sign that it's a good script <laughs> yeah totally a feature it's a feature yep yeah that sounds really interesting i really like that that sounds cool um i love seeing like <laughs> um more like i guess like you know i love like a big studio sci-fi movie but mm -hmm. i also love small sci-fi movies like real heady shit like ex machina type yeah. stuff you know um stuff that makes you think Mm -hmm. uh, really really dig that so that sounds super cool yeah thanks it was it was really tough to write but it was fun i mean uh, just the challenge of writing something that was just visually bonkers was kind of a, an interesting exploration coming from somebody working like oh i know what it's like to be on a set and <laughs> have to yeah. worry about multiple locations and lighting and costume changes <laughs> right right um is that your most recent script you finished um, I finished that one, I would say probably right before Christmas. So I've been okay. kind of like working it and getting notes until like May. Got it. Got it. Cool. 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 Um, speaking of recent, uh, what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of could be screenwriting related, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, I recently was selected to go to a Stowe, uh, story labs retreat. So yeah. I spent a week in Vermont or just about a week. Um, yeah. It was awesome, not just because there was lots of cool mushrooms. Uh, I was that <laughs> bitch. I got like everybody in our group to go do mushroom hikes every day. By the end, everyone's like, oh, I found coral mushroom. These oh, are that's hilarious. Caps. I'm like, I've converted them all. Um, that's amazing. I'm sure your son loved that. Oh, I, yeah. Every day I had to send him my photo dump of all the pictures. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he was really excited. I got to see a destroying angel, which is like a super poisonous mushroom. Uh, mm. like quite cool uh yeah that's a really I, metal name for a mushroom right? that's awesome. <laughs> it's just this really pretty white mushroom yeah uh, yeah it was cool i got to spend uh a whole week diving into a sci-fi pilot i wrote um got to pick the brains of some people that were former showrunners and just uh yeah left with a like a not only like a whole new like perspective to my rewriting process but you know like i said those things that puts gas to your tanks because i remember getting the notification uh and it was the thing was like, well, you can't tell anybody. And um, I, I honestly thought it was like, obviously the wrong Leah. <laughs> like there's a yeah. mistake. You sent this to the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was really cool to be there and feel like I belonged with all these writers. That was like the first thing I told myself, like, don't go there and pretend like you don't like belong here. Like walk in that door, like own yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, you deserve to be here just as much as anybody else. And it was mm -hmm. super fun. I highly recommend the Snow Story Labs to anybody at any level it was it was great it was supportive and uh yeah it's just fun love that that's so cool yeah I've, I've heard of that i think i had a professor at webster university who also went to one of those he was invited to one of those and said it was great yeah. um yeah that's really cool okay so leah simmons we have reached the end we've reached the final question and you know there's been a little bit of this sprinkled throughout the episode but I want to know, what are a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters out there that you would give, especially to those just getting started? Um, I think the biggest thing is it's always going to take more time than you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like on the writing side, as you know, on the production side, like mm -hmm. this is all a process. Um, you need to give yourself space to grow. And if you see people who start out with you, you know, shooting off ahead of you like that's 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 their journey not yours mm -hmm. um, and i think that's a really hard thing for newer writers uh especially when they start out with their peers is seeing people develop at different levels like yeah. that this yeah. isn't a contest we can all win like mm -hmm. this is yeah. something that you need to kind of figure out what you want out of it and what your career track is going to look like and why you enjoy this like make sure you enjoy the craft. Like I love writing. Writing is my favorite part of the day. My son hates it. Cause he knows when I grab my laptop that I'm going to leave him and go and like do my own thing. Yeah. Uh, but if you love writing, like it doesn't matter where you go or how fast you get there. You're always going to enjoy this. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, sometimes it's that thing where 
like i don't know like sometimes a flame burns really bright really quick and then that person has trouble sustaining it because they didn't have a long enough like gestation period you oh, know yeah. like getting well, better give yourself some grace like i don't i mean yeah. I, I sit down and try to write every day it doesn't mean i actually write like pages and pages right sometimes it's just sitting there and brainstorming or reading something yep. for inspiration like yep. you don't have to be productive of, like a hundred percent all the time like that yeah. the, the hustle culture is just terrible for your psyche uh-huh so give yourself room to breathe like walking the dog and thinking about your story is also writing <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Well, Leah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing about you and your journey and how you write and everything. And I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. This was great. It's nice to get to like put a like a moving face to a name instead of just <laughs> your yeah, yeah, yeah. one. Glad your humor comes off exactly the same way as it does on, on Twitter. Oh, that's hilarious. You always make me laugh. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, Have fun at Saw. Uh, I'd expect a full review later. I will. I will post it. All right, y'all. Episode 37 is in the books. I want to thank Leah Simmons for coming on the show. Such a great episode. Such a fun person to talk to. As you guys probably know, such a fun Twitter follow, and um, it was a pleasure to have her. And I'm wishing her all the best, just as I know you guys are as well. Um... I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, go ahead and say something about it on Instagram or Twitter. Tags at Social Writer Pod. Tag me at Andy Compton underscore. Tag Leah at Leah underscore from. Uh, say something cool that Leah said. Say something dumb that I said. Whatever you want. All feedback is appreciated. And if you guys want to donate to the pod, please feel free. I would appreciate that. You can go to the at Social Writer Pod bio on Twitter or Instagram. And click the PayPal link, and there's a way to just send me a little money if you want to, if you like the episode. If you don't have the money or you don't want to, that's okay, too. I still hope you enjoy listening. Um, that's it for this episode, guys. 37, you know, 40 is going to be cool. 50 is going to be cooler. So I have to keep it keep it chugging along here. When I started, I was doing like two a month, and that was doable. I just got to get back that and get motivated I, the, these short films really took it out of me it was like six seven months of just straight pre-production production or post a constant cycle and it was definitely tough but i'm also really proud that we did it that said i'm gonna try to get back to some normalcy on this i know i say that on every episode but i'm going to um so i'll probably be giving a shout to some people that i've always wanted to talk to but never got the chance to yet and I'm sure you guys will find them interesting and smart and funny and cool and successful and uh, someone that you want to aspire to be like. Um, I might get President Obama on this bitch. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to. Um, that's it, guys. I hope you're all doing well out there. The holidays are coming up. I wish your family happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. Um, if you celebrate nothing, I wish you a good day. Um, but, you know. This is kind of a shutdown time in Hollywood. I hope everyone's getting those last scripts out or whatever it is that you're trying to do to race the clock and get your 2023 goals met. Uh, I respect it, and I'm rooting you on from here in St. Louis, Missouri. And that's about it, guys. Um, take care of yourselves, and I will talk to you soon. Uh, bye-bye. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social